Howdy, folks, and welcome to A Green Way Forward. I'm your co-host, David Cobb, joined by Michael O'Neill in Syracuse, New York. Howdy, Michael. Hello, David. You know, Michael, you and I have been looking forward to this particular show for a hot minute because on this show, folks, we're going to be talking about the Green New Deal. Before I get into it, I want to remind you that you're watching us live on Facebook. You might be listening to us on a podcast, but however you're doing it, share this podcast. If you're watching on Facebook, share it now on your own page. Share it on any page you manage. If you're listening to a podcast, forward that podcast to other folks. And if you have not yet done so, join us so that you can find out about upcoming shows, upcoming episodes, including making suggestions to us about what the show should be at agreenwayforward.org. I'm especially uh, eager to tell you uh, and share that that we had a lot of folks who actually wrote into us and asked us to specifically talk about a green way forward. So that, or pardon me, a green new deal. So that's actually what we're going to do. Now let's just start with the observation that a green new deal is absolutely necessary to fight the climate catastrophe. That's not just coming. It's actually here and getting worse, but it should not, in our estimation, be limited merely to addressing the climate crisis. It's also an opportunity to address the economic crisis and the political crisis by genuinely revitalizing our public services, democratizing economics and finance, literally restructuring our society to build an eco-socialist society. So in order to do that, I actually want to talk about What is the Green New Deal? And by doing so, I'm going to actually make the case that there are actually not one, not two, but actually three versions of the Green New Deal. Michael, does this sound like a good approach? Absolutely. And will the real Green New Deal please stand up? (laughs) Well done, Michael. So we're going to actually start with the real Green New Deal, what I'm going to actually call the Green Party's Green New Deal, because the Green Party's Green New Deal uh, actually can be found on the Green Party's website, and it actually consists of economic bill of rights, a green transition, real financial reform, and a functioning democracy. So that's the Green Party's Green New Deal. But wait, there's more. There's actually Alexander Octavia Cortez's uh, Green New Deal, which I'm going to call the Progressive Democrat uh, Green New Deal. That's one where the climate crisis is pretty good. Uh, It's not as good as ours, but it is pretty darn good. But it's been stripped away of any of the claims to genuinely restructure society, democratizing finance. It's stripped its uh, fight against the capitalist class, and it's definitely been stripped away from its call to redo and U.S. foreign policy. But wait, there's yet a third Green New Deal, and I'm going to call this the corporate Democrats' uh, fake Green New Deal. The corporate Democrats' fake Green New Deal is actually one that is not only stripped of its critique of the military-industrial complex, not only streaked 
stripped of its call to democratize economics and finance, but actually is one that is acceptable to the neoliberal corporate class, which means it really won't even address the climate crisis. David, if I can jump in, uh, and yeah, that's an excellent summary. And I guess my spin on it is that, uh, you know, the, the Green Party, Green New Deal is about transforming and, and reinvesting in our public services across the board. Like you said, with a, a priority on, on the climate crisis, but also with uh, you know, universal health care and fully funded quality public schools and reorienting our society around democratically controlled public goods and services. And then there's the AOC Green New Deal, which reminds me a lot of sort of the first New Deal, the FDR New Deal, which, as many leftists know, FDR saved capitalism, essentially, uh, with that New Deal and with uh, things like Social Security and uh, unemployment compensation and and all of the other worker protections and social benefits that we have been taking for granted, but now, of course, are under threat. And then there's, as you said, the corporate Democrat Green New Deal, which is neither green, neither new, nor a deal. <laughs> well said, Michael. And I got to say thank you to Dave, who writes in with a great question. And I want to encourage folks to continue to ask questions or make comments if you're watching us live on Facebook. Dave actually writes in to say, seriously, why don't y'all just throw all your weight behind AOC and while I'm here, can anyone tell me what the difference between a Green Party member and a Democratic Socialist is? And Dave, actually, that question, uh, those two questions are actually super related. I'm going to take the first one and ask uh, Michael O'Neill to take the second one. So the reason that we don't throw all our weight simply behind AOC is because... Uh, just as FDR's uh, Green New Deal did, in fact, make life better for a lot of people, uh, it also, quote, saved capitalism. And the AOC uh, Green New Deal absolutely has phenomenally important uh, provisions that would greatly address the climate crisis. So we support it. Uh, and I want to cheer anytime any elected official of any political party does something right. I want to cheer them. Uh, however, I also want to have candid conversation about where the shortcomings may be. And the AOC's uh, Green New Deal, progressive though it may be, actually does not address the military industrial complex. It does not change U.S. foreign policy based on empire. And it does not call to genuinely restructure the economics of this society. And that's why I think it's worth talking about why Green Party members like David Cobb and Michael O'Neill are eco-socialists. And what is the difference between an eco-socialist Green Party member and a democratic socialist, Michael O'Neill? Well, uh, there are many Green Party members who would describe their political orientation as democratic and socialist or as, as a democratic socialist of the four pillars of the green movement involve grass, grassroots democracy. And then if you combine uh, social justice and ecological wisdom and nonviolence, then those things together might uh, put together a, a, a version of eco-socialism as we call it now in our platform. But there are a lot of members of DSA, the organization, which uh, especially relatively new members uh, who I think they have a 
pretty uh, like um, across the board wide orientation politically. There's a lot of people who entered DSA following the Sanders campaign who are maybe new to the idea of democratic socialism. And so I think you've got a range of sort of uh, New Deal style Democrats to Nordic style social welfare state advocates to like hardcore longtime socialists who really want to transform society and remove the market as a principle of organizing life. So within DSA, the organization, there is a pretty wide spectrum right now of political orientations. But in terms of democratic socialism as a as a political uh, system that predates democratic socialists of America, I think eco-socialist greens are very much in line with the principles argued by people like Rosa Luxemburg. That's right. And that actually brings me to Ronald's point, which says Green Party are simply trying to hijack progressives, another splinter in the progressive movement. And with respect, Ronald, I want to thank you for making your point. You know, on a green way forward, we do actually uh, talk about uh, the dissenting opinions that uh, appear in the comment section. So what I would say is this, that rather than think about there being splintering of the progressive movement, we're talking about how deep we are calling for restructuring society and what is considered a win. I respect that there are people uh, who think that the best we can do is just make capitalism a little kinder, a little gentler. But from my perspective and the Green Party's perspective, a real Green New Deal would actually uh, have four pillars. And we're going to dive right into it. And I'll ask Michael O'Neill to make sure to drop the Green Party's Green New Deal uh, into the comments section and invite folks to go to that website and look at it with us as we break it down. And the first pillar of the Green New Deal is a call for a genuine economic bill of rights. And in the Green Party's Green New Deal, or what I'll call the real Green New Deal, uh, you're talking about create local communities creating a process of actually allowing democratic decision makers to de- implement the programs. The pay-to-play prohibitions will ensure that campaign contributions or lobbying favors do not impact that decision-making, and we literally end unemployment by creating employment offices all across the country where if you want the privilege and the right to a job, you show up at your employment office and figure out what your community has decided is the thing that needs to be done. Uh, And you are matched to that so that you're giving meaningful, productive work that you can feel good about and get uh, a living wage to it. The second point uh, is that the workers' rights are included in the right to a living wage, a safe workplace, fair trade, and to organize a union at work. The third component of the Economic Bill of Rights is the right to quality health care achieved through single-payer Medicare for all. So our Green New Deal literally forges a, a, a call for health care as a human right and Medicare for all. The fourth provision of our Economic Bill of Rights is a call for tuition-free, federally funded, locally controlled public education from preschool through college. Uh, and th- we also call for a right to affordable housing, the right to accessible utilities, and the right to fair taxation. So for us, the economic transformation of the Green New Deal 
you'll notice that we haven't even gotten to the climate part yet. We're literally talking about uh, restructuring society. Michael, anything that you want to add to the comments that you've been uh, watching so far? Well, I'm seeing a lot of comments in the chat talking about like, um, well, why doesn't why don't Greens and Progressive Democrats work together? And uh, and then one comment suggesting that um, that governing is not about getting 100 percent of what you want. Well, here's the thing. Politics is a lever. And our job as radical eco-socialists is to pull for what we want as hard as we can. And then the people in government, uh, you know, we pull them as close to what we want, as close as we possibly can in the time that we have. And so by talking about a Green New Deal that hits some of the points that David is talking about and and hits some of the important climate timelines we're going to get to in a second, we are working with progressives. We are raising expectations for progressives and the left and Democrats and eco-socialists to say, this is what we really want. We will not let our imaginations be limited by the Nancy Pelosi's of the world or even the progressive Democrats of the world who are currently elected. Thank you, Michael. And I will say, Jim, I mean, I do appreciate uh, your your perspective. It, of course, governing is not about getting 100 percent of what you want, but advocacy damn sure is. And at the end of the day, you don't like, look, I come out of a union organizing background. I come, I was a trial lawyer myself. Let me make a, a point about how power operates. And that's this. Friends, you don't compromise before the real fight even begins. And what we're trying to say in the Green Party is a real Green New Deal would actually address capitalism and the economic system that is driving uh, the system. Now, the second thing I'll point out around uh, quote, working together, and uh, I look, I get a lot of grief from a lot of Green Party members because I do, in fact, uh, work on issues uh, with progressive Democrats, socialists, independents, people who are not members of the Green Party. I'm actually not a sectarian Green. Uh, and so there are a lot of Green Party folks who are super rigid about that, that freak out about it. So, uh, Jim, I'm actually sympathetic to, to your position. But I do know this, that if we in the Green Party and in social movements do not make deep systemic demands we are already compromising before the battle even happens. And frankly, that's something that liberals and progressives do way too much. And as an eco-socialist, I'm simply not willing to do that, especially as we begin to advocate and articulate what we want and frankly, what we actually need to survive. So let's get back so, to those, those transformative demands, David. I will. Thank you. And the next one is a true green transition. The second priority of the Green Party's Green New Deal is a transition program that converts the old gray economy into a new sustainable economy that is both environmentally sound, economically viable, and socially responsible. We call to invest in green business by providing grants and low-interest in loans to grow green businesses and cooperatives with a specific emphasis on small, locally-based companies. We call to prioritize a in massive new green research by redirecting research funds from not only the fossil fuel industry and the military industrial complex towards cutting edge research and implementation of wind, solar, and geothermal. And we call to invest in research that is in sustainable, non-toxic materials, 
closed loop cycles that eliminate both waste and pollution, as well as organic agriculture, permaculture, and sustainable forestry. The last part of our transition is to provide green jobs by enacting a full employment program, which will directly provide 16 million jobs in sustainable energy and energy efficiency retrofitting, mass transit, and complete streets that promote safe bike and pedestrian regional food systems based on sustainable organic agriculture and clean manufacturing. So again, what we're talking about is literally restructuring the economy not just the financial section of the economy, but literally how the economy works. The third part of the Green Party's Green New Deal is real financial reform. Let's be honest, y'all. The takeover of our economy by big banks and well-connected financiers has literally destabilized both our democracy and our economy. It's time to take Wall Street out of the driver's seat and free the truly productive segments of American workers to make this economy work for all of us. So a real financial reform relieves the debt overhanging or holding back the economy by reducing homeowner and student debt burdens. We could do that like that. It calls to democratize the monetary policy of the U.S. to bring about public control of the money supply and debt, uh, pardon me, and credit creation. This means we'll nationalize the private bank-dominated Federal Reserve banks and plus the, place them under a monetary authority within the Treasury Department. We call to break up all of the oversized banks that are currently considered too big to fail. We call to end taxpayer-funded bailouts for banks, insurance corporations, and financial companies. And we'll use the FDIC resolution process for failed banks to reopen them as public banks all across the country where possible after failed loans and underlying assets are auctioned off. As a quick note here, I want to acknowledge that AOC is calling to finance her version of the uh, Green New Deal with public banks, and we want to applaud that. So again, where something good happens within the progressive Democrats, uh, we're going to acknowledge it. But the Green Party Green New Deal is also calling to restore the Glass-Steagall separation of depository commercial banks from speculative banks and uh, to establish a 90% tax on bonuses for uh, any of the bailed out bankers. And lastly, support the formation of federal, state, and municipal public banks so that they can function as nonprofit utilities. So again, folks, what we're talking about is not only a transition uh, away, a green transition, but also financial reform that literally restructures the capitalist system and democratizes uh, our entire economic system, which brings us to the last portion of the Green Party's Green New Deal, a functioning democracy. We need to repeal and revoke corporate personhood by amending our U.S. Constitution. We need to protect our right to vote uh, by supporting the right to vote amendment. We need a bill of rights that will guarantee paper ballots on all our ballots. We need to require partisan oversight of uh, uh, replace partisan oversight with nonpartisan election commissions. We need same-day voter registration. We need ranked choice voting, public-funded uh, elections. We need access to the ballot and the debates. We need statehood for the District of Columbia. Uh, what we're talking about, friends, is we need to democratize 
elections in this country. So I hope that folks can see and will agree with me that the Green Party's Green New Deal is actually something profoundly different and more than what uh, AOC is calling for. And let's remember, and and I do want to sort of go jump into that, uh, Michael, and that is how do we as Greens talk about what we're up against? Uh, You actually had uh, an important insight about how as Greens we should talk about not only our own Green New Deal or the real Green New Deal, but also AOC's version or the neoliberal corporate Democrats version. Right. And I think this is a theme that's already been touched on a bit uh, on in some of the chat contributions, which is how do we not sound like we're uh, sore losers or that we're whiny that the Green New Deal is is now in the news and Greens were into the Green New Deal before it was cool, right? We don't want to sound like hipster political activists and seem like we're turning our nose up at an idea simply because it's now hitting the mainstream. And we don't want to seem like we're turning up our noses at the the political figures who are taking it into the the mainstream. There is a lot to be hopeful for that uh, the Green New Deal as a concept is becoming more widespread. Having said that, we want to make sure that it's not just a Green New Deal in name only. And so we want to be rock solid and razor sharp in how we articulate our vision for a Green New Deal that is not just a, a ambitious green jobs program. That's not what we campaigned on here in New York State in 2010 or in 2014 or in the Stein campaign on 2016 and again back here in New York State in 2018. Howie Hawkins, who I worked for, I was his campaign manager, that was one of his biggest pet peeves is if uh, one of us in the campaign or, or volunteers would slip up and kind of just refer to the Green New Deal as a green jobs program. It's more than that. It's about taking the essential services and the essential infrastructure of of our, of our society, ranging from finance to healthcare to education to, of course, our energy system as well, and bringing it back under public control and democratic control. It, all of those essential services have you been know, under the control of the market, and that has driven us into the dystopia that we've been in for so long. And like, let's be clear about something, folks. Uh, I will, as Michael O'Neill has done, will uh, applaud and appreciate AOC and other genuine progressives uh, who are advancing the concept of a Green New Deal. At the same time, I am going to criticize the fact that the AOC version of the Green New Deal does not address militarism. And I really want to acknowledge Medea Benjamin, who is the founder of Global Exchange, the founder of Code Pink, a Green Party candidate for U.S. Senate back in 2000 in California, where she is actually asking, where is the call for a new peace deal that would free up hundreds of billions of dollars from the overgrown military budget to invest in this green infrastructure? Answer, it's in the Green Party's call for a Green New Deal. And I'll ask Michael O'Neill to drop the uh, article that Medea Benjamin and Alice Slater wrote that was, uh, I originally saw it in Common Dreams, with a uh, big acknowledgement to Common Dreams. But the reality is that the Green Party's Green New Deal calls for a, an end to
All right. It looks like we may have lost David's connection to Zoom, uh, which is the video conference that we use for these uh, these live streams. And so let's give that a moment to come back. And uh, while we wait for that, I'll continue on David's thought, which is that as... Oh, David, are you back? Can you hear me? Okay. So David, I am. Okay, great. I yes. can hear you now. All right, David, back to you. So I guess, uh, and I'm sorry for that, but the, the point is that the Green Party's Green New Deal actually calls to end the U.S. empire. And I want to be very blunt here, friends. The current empire is not a traditional empire of the nation state. It is a corporate empire. Now, the, the empire that we're talking about is, in fact, uh, imposed on people throughout the global south, uh, mostly brown and black-skinned people. Uh, it is paid for by U.S. tax dollars. Uh, it is imposed with the blood, sweat, and tears of both U.S. military personnel and the blood, sweat, tears, and murdered bodies of people who are being hegemonically destroyed. So it is an empire, but it's not a typical nation-state empire. It's truly a corporate empire being conducted on behalf of Chevron and ExxonMobil and Boeing and the huge transnational corporations, which is why the Democratic Party's Green New Deal leaves it in effect. But the Green Party's Green New Deal uh, calls for a decentralized local community control of both economics, an end to the military industrial complex. And lastly, the Democratic Green uh, Green New Deal doesn't even mention the need to cut back on energy consumption, which is a big part of the Green Party's Green New Deal approach, which is actually talking about genuine ecological sustainability. Uh, Michael, I'm wondering if there were any other comments or questions from the, uh, the comments that you thought that we should touch on. Well, we had a couple comments from chat talking about how uh, thanks to the Stein campaign and the Stein recount and the lawsuits that followed from that, we, that Pennsylvania is going to have paper ballots and a, a much more fair and democratic and, and trustworthy electoral system. And so that's one aspect of the Green New Deal that uh, Greens have successfully fought for. And also that uh, ranked choice voting in Maine, at least in part, was, uh, was the result of Greens. Just wait for a moment and let your connection stabilize. Uh, right. Uh, so uh, Greens being part of a coalition that fought for ranked choice voting there in Maine. And I just wanted to say, David, that um, in that Common Dreams article by Medea Benjamin, I thought one of the most important points that she raised was not only is the United States military a huge drain of uh, resources in terms of uh, people power and money, but also that it is the largest consumer of fossil fuels on the planet, that the U.S. military, even when it's not actively waging war and actively killing people, is one of the hugest polluters on the entire planet Earth. And so there's right. And thank you. for. Go ahead. Thank you so much for making that point and for lifting that up out of uh, Medea Benjamin's uh, incredibly insightful uh, uh, 
uh, article. And I do want to say, folks, uh, uh, again, I want to circle back and remind you what you've heard from Michael O'Neill and myself is a call uh, to applaud and support uh, AOC and other progressive Democrats for the good things that they are attempting to do, but not to compromise before the real fight even begins. Uh, instead, to actually call for more, uh, to, to call for deeper systemic transformation. As a Green Party uh, member and as a proud eco-socialist, I know that we actually have to restructure this society. And the window to do that is getting small, and so we better get started now. Uh, Michael, any final thoughts that you have? Uh, no. I just Did you have any other points or regarding the Green Party's Green New Deal to talk about or any of the other angles of, of how how Greens should, and, and allies, of course, should talk to our neighbors, our allies, our comrades, our fa- friends and family about the Green New Deal to, to push, to, to make the, the best of this political moment? Well, that's right. And I think uh, we, we, like, that cannot ever be said often enough. And that is, remember, folks, that what we're trying to do is build the political will and the political demand to restructure society. Please, we, we as Greens especially, but anyone who is listening to this program, I invite you and I challenge you to actually be willing to dream big. You know, the, 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 this historic moment that we're dealing with uh, is something that's super important. And we need to actually decentralize the entire grid and put it under local community control. We need to cut energy consumption uh, drastically, not only energy consumption, but we need to change how our society operates. And we need to call for health care as a fundamental human right. We need to talk about access to education and adequate food to eat as fundamental human rights. You see, I don't think that that's actually making it more difficult. I actually think it's is inspiring people to a visionary transformational kind of change. And I want to remind many of the folks who got active for the first time in electoral politics by Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders inspired so many people, including so many young people who had given up precisely because he was willing to use language that was transformational. He talked about a political revolution. What we in the Green Party are saying is a real political revolution actually has to address the ecological collapse, the political collapse, and the economic collapse. And that's what we're trying to do here on a green way forward by having those kinds of conversations. I do want to invite you to join us next week when we will have Gloria Matera, who is the one of the co-chairs of the Green Party of the New York's uh, of Green Party of the United States. Uh, she'll be joining us to answer your questions and comments. We have Gloria on once a month on the second Monday of every month. So join us next January, uh, January 14th, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern with Gloria Matera. In the meantime, don't quit, don't fight, keep on keeping on. Peace.
A Green Way Forward is produced by David Cobb and Michael O'Neill. Go to agreenwayforward.org for links to our podcast feed and iTunes subscription, plus more ways to listen. Our live stream is graciously hosted by the official Dr. Jill Stein Facebook page on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The music for this episode is Keep Sit Real by Player 2, available under a Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.